The following audio is via a Skype call. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy Saturday. Happy weekend to you. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour if our luck holds up. And of course, if the man who performs Herculean tasks for us all the time keeps us on the air, that, of course, would be the dude a.k.a. Michael Roberge. Mike, how are you doing today? The dude is here and ready to go. The well, that's dude good. dude abides. Well, that just about says it. <laughs> there we go Groundhog again. Groundhog Eve. It's Groundhog Eve. This is becoming uh, quite the, the uh, uh, holiday because, as it turns out, Groundhog Day and the big game day are the same. Yes, absolutely. And I note how often you and I, Suzanne, categorize our lives or our life experience at any given time based on movie references. That's true. <laughs> and this is another example of that. I love Groundhog Day. I love Groundhog Day. I think that's a fun movie. And it has a lot of deep meaning to it. It does. And very quickly, you and Michael, the two of you, how do you account for the enduring appeal of Groundhog Day? It's become iconic, but also almost like a seasonal celebration that people appreciate in their own private way. I can only say two words. Bill Murray. He is uh, loved by all, and it's yeah. more than a cult following. Uh, he is, at least in our times, one of the most popular and enduring comedians um, around. There are others, but... Boy, he's in a class of his own. You know, I'm going to go along with you on that. Chicago boy that he is. <laughs> uh, I do like his movies. I like Stripes. I like Groundhog Day. I like um, Ghostbusters. I like the stuff Scrooged. that he's in. Scrooge. We watched Scrooge over the holidays. Stripes. And, uh, yeah, I uh, like And, of course, movies. Caddyshack. Unbelievable. Caddyshack. Out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to go along with Michael on that one so we can move things along. We have another Michael to talk to today. We definitely do. This is a man who lives life by the numbers in a profound way, and he teaches others how to do the same. Every time he comes on the show, it's like a revelation. So it we're is. very happy to I'm have him with us. I'm always taking notes. You know, I like what he says. I take notes and then I figure out how I'm going to use it. And I do to best effect. Michael John Fierro has been studying and working with numerology since 1984. So that's a few years. Michael strongly believes that this powerful tool provides a pathway towards greater self-understanding and a means to come to terms with one's characteristics and personality. His work with clients over the years has one specific goal in mind, assisting personal empowerment through understanding, acceptance, and responsibility. And we will get to all of that today. Welcome once again to Manson Mitchell, Michael John Fierro. So good to have you back. So nice to be back. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, Michael. We like to do it uh, pretty close to the beginning of the new year, although we've had you on at other times of the year, frequently enough. But uh, I wanted to just bat lead off here, and I said to Gary, you know, what does it mean to be in the year 2020? I know I like writing it on my checks. I know I'm not uh, hyphenating it. I'm not doing a, a hyphen two zero. I'm writing out the whole thing, 2020. So when you have a year that adds up to a four, what does that mean, Michael? 
Well, in this case, and just a little note with the 2020, do make sure that you write it out on checks. Because uh, the police have advised you that it's easy to forge things if you're only putting, like, 2120. Somebody right. could change that to 2022 or whatever. So um, right. just a word of caution. But uh, what does 2020 mean for us? Well, the the headline would be reconstruction and building a strong foundation or destruction and chaos. What? Uh, and from what we've seen for the first four months of the year, um, tending towards the latter. Well, I, I'm so surprised. This My tongue is firmly planted in cheek here, Michael. I'm surprised to hear you say that because we've seen the foundation of our democracy spinning like a top, humming along with honor, with integrity. We've seen the United States Senate handle the gravest matter with aplomb and with constitutional fidelity. Wouldn't you agree? Without a doubt. At least 47 <laughs> of them. <laughs> And a, couple, um, and a couple of Republicans that got, as they call it, a hall pass to vote yes to witnesses because it was already a foregone conclusion that there would be no witnesses. Right. Mm. Kind of a travesty, to be honest. Now, and again, this is just a continuation of what, what's been happening ever since that fateful day in November of 2016. The, the, the continual dismantling of what this country is. The bureaucracy is being dismantled. The rule of law is being dismantled. The uh, the separation of powers and the oversight and all of that, it's all being dismantled. It's a dangerous trend. It's a dangerous thing to be considering. I was surprised to hear you say that the year 2020 is about two opposites. You said reconstruction and building up, but also chaos and destruction. So why would why would a, a year that adds up to a four be those two opposite things? Well, all numbers have opposites. All, all numbers have positive aspects and negative aspects. And on the positive side, four is very much about construction. It's about building a strong foundation. It's about creating organization and discipline that uh, gives a strong foundation off of which to build moving forward. But the other side of that is it's... The negative side of a four is very controlling. It's very disciplinarian. Um, it can be very aggressive. One of the things that a four can represent in, in a chart, if, if I see it like a four challenge in a chart, many times it's an indication that someone may have been uh, restricted or locked up in jail. So in this case here, because it's a 2020, now in numerology, zero is not considered a number. But in my work, it is a representation of the, the universe. Call it what you may. So when there's a zero in, uh, in a number, uh, it, it means that it's a transitional period of time uh, for the vibration of the number that precedes the zero. So in this case, it happens twice. We have two zero, two zero. Now two is about cooperation, getting along with others, um, respecting differences, understanding dualities, working within those dualities to create something better. Uh, and be, and it happens twice in this year. So it, it, that 
transitional energy is amplified. Um, so the lessons that we encountered this year, especially in that realm, are going to be greatly magnified and amplified. Thank and you, Michael. My, Thank you for welcome. saying that, because it was a few visits ago. I remember this very clearly. You talk, and maybe you could expand on this. I think you're on this track right now. If we as a society, as a culture, don't make a successful transition from one mode of thinking to another and thus advance society or the body politic, those lessons are going to come back magnified and we still have to deal with them. It's not like they just go away. I got that insight from you. Right. And, 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 and actually, they will become much more difficult. It's like anything in life. If you have an issue that is in your life and you tend to ignore it, it may appear to go away, but when it comes back, it's going to come back a little bit stronger, a little more intensely. And the more you ignore it, the more it will continue to come back. And every time it comes back, it will be at a greater level of intensity. And as in life, it gets to the point that eventually, because the universe has given us numerous opportunities to deal with something, and we ignore it, the universe in its infinite wisdom finally says, okay, well, now I'm going to put you in a position where you will have absolutely no choice but to take action. And this is one of those years where that could be the case. Um, it's just, again, from my perspective, what I've seen so far this year is chaos. Uh, and it looks like much of it is intentional. Um, what and, and you know, sadly, I guess it's pretty much a sad statement on, on our society and our culture. We have a, a a a person in charge who is a master of the media. He knows how to manipulate the media to his own advantage. He knows how to use it as a cudgel. Um, and because uh, a great many of his followers just take everything he says unquestioningly, he can increase his power by just constantly beating the same drum over and over and over and over. You know, it's the old adage about tell a lie enough times it will become the truth. And now what we see is a breakdown of our system of government. Um, where the lines are being blurred between the separation between the three branches. Um, and and I, I, again, I, I don't know how you could watch what's been going on and feel good about moving forward. No, uh, it definitely is scary. It, um, yeah. I, I agree that it, uh, you know, the times that we are living in are, are pretty frightening and when you talk to other people at other times, they think the same thing. When there's a world war going on, when there is some, uh, you know, plague going on, when there are things going on, they think they're living in some of the hardest times too. Let me tell you one of the things that crosses my mind when I was asking you about the four and you were talking about the good side and the bad side of four. And that is that, that I've noticed because I'm doing some of this right now, 
I have a, a goal to simplify certain parts of my life, especially too much accumulated paper and files and things like that. And so what I noticed is when I have made a decision that I am going to streamline, reorganize, and fix something to be better, it goes through a period of being much worse. And so as I, as I took out file folders, there's, there's piles and piles and piles of paper in so many different places on so many different topics. But then as I get through it, it's then reorganized into something where I can find everything easily. It makes sense. And I've thrown away a lot of trash, a lot of recycled paper, a lot of shredded paper. And so when you're talking about the chaos now, I'm wondering if it's like cleaning out something where we are cleaning out how we've been operating rather blindly for years, and it will look worse before it begins to look better. But I'd like to think that somewhere down the road, this is going to look better than it does right now. But you have to take everything out to examine it first. And, True, and, and, and I agree with your assessment of there. I mean, that's a very accurate um, uh, de- depiction of, of, of the situation. And it's interesting because I'm going through the same thing because I have to move. So after 16 years of living in one place, I have to move. So I've gone through pa- uh, paperwork. I've been throwing out paperwork for, for weeks now. <laughs> um you know, we hold on to stuff sometimes, and we look at it, and we, why are we holding on to this? And, and yes, we – I said this when, uh, when our current president was elected, that we are going to have to let this play out to its conclusion. And, yes, it is uncomfortable. It's ugly. It's in your face. But if we don't find a way through this, then it will only get worse. Um, and and it's going to be interesting to see how this year plays out. Um, him getting acquitted is going to embolden him. But right. I did a little research this morning. It turns out that a president can be impeached more than once. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. That's, and a rep- that's something... Yeah. Go ahead, Michael. Especially since he's going to be acquitted. And the Democrats have stated that the investigations are going to continue. They are not going to let up. Um, And knowing him, he will do more despicable things to give them more fuel for the fire of the investigation. I don't see this changing anything other than his behavior becoming worse. Well, and not only that, but what we've heard about is Ukraine, 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 Ukraine. But you've got to believe that this kind of thing has already been happening with the Saudis and the Turks and other people. Oh, So there's just more to uncover. Yeah, there's 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 no doubt about that. And the fact that his businesses are intertwined in much of what happened. Right. Um only demonstrate that even further. You know, Michael, I'm glad you brought that up because one of my regrets 
And this is a matter of strategy and tactics. I freely grant that. And Nancy Pelosi is a past master at dealing with those things. But I was disappointed when they decided not to pursue an additional article of impeachment based on Donald Trump's rampant, flagrant flouting of the emoluments clause. It hadn't been brought to trial or treated in terms of impeachment before, because I don't think we ever had a president as rich as Donald Trump, for one thing. There, But in terms of the emolument clause, who was it who said that last night, Suzanne? We were watching on MSNBC, to which we are typically glued in the evenings during the week, about how this is only one chapter. We're looking at Ukraine, but there is a... There is a book to be written about his relationship with the Saudis. There is a book to be written about his relationship with Bibi Netanyahu, currently under indictment in Israel. You go country by country, and you see that Donald Trump has his fingers in a lot of pies with the idea of enriching himself, his empire, certainly his family, in a way that makes a mockery of the Emoluments Clause. Right, but the you see... <laughs> My my take on that is the emoluments clause is so somewhat obtuse that the net the, the the average American doesn't even pay attention to it. They but let's face it, I don't think other than the uh, the Constitution is the word emolument used anywhere. <laughs> you know, so the general population doesn't pay attention because they don't understand it. And again, he knows how to manipulate the media and his followers to the point that they believe anything he says. If the house was, if the the, the arena was burning down around them, he would find a way to spin it into something positive for those people. It's a barbecue. Yeah. Oh, look. It, well, it's cold outside, but now we have all this heat. Yeah. Um, but the emolument thing it's still in court see the the thing with trump is trump has spent his entire life suing people he's an expert at tying people up in court it was interesting because he just um he just had a uh, a rally here in new jersey on tuesday and uh the people in south jersey south the atlantic city area are not fond of him because when he built his casinos, and I think he does this intentionally, he used a lot of small contractors. And then he didn't pay any of them. Because he knew that the small guy doesn't have the money for an extended legal fight. So the glazier didn't get paid. The guy who provided a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of pianos didn't get paid. The stonework guy didn't get paid. The air conditioning guy didn't get paid. So he doesn't really care because his life, he's, if you've never seen it, check out the video, Where's My, uh, the, the documentary, Where's My Roy Come? And you will fully understand the why behind Donald Trump why he is the way he is, why he behaves the way he does. That's always fascinated me, too, if I'm on the receiving end of that kind of neglect and I'm not getting paid or being offered 50 cents on the dollar, take it or leave it, 
there, which is good brinksmanship. You know, that's that's kind of a fait accompli once you've already laid the bricks, done the plumbing, et cetera, et cetera. That kind of thing gets out. Someone from glorious New Jersey, who has become a friend of Suzanne's and mine in Florida, a church friend, asked us one time plaintively, don't people read the paper? Don't they know what this guy is about? And this was about a year and a half ago she said this. There, and my, my take on that was no, or they don't take it seriously enough. I mean, if, if you are a working class stiff who takes your shower uh, after work rather than before and you carry a lunch pail, I don't expect you to spend your breakfast time pouring over the New York Times, but you may watch the evening news. You may read some articles in the New York Daily News, decidedly anti-Trump, and then you have a decision to make. If you are going to do business with Donald Trump and his empire and his, his tentacles stretch in all directions, I think that individually I would have a very tough time saying yes to any prospect of working for someone who was highly unlikely to pay me or to pay me far less than I agreed to work for. I don't know why it went on for so many years, Michael. Well, and that's a very valid point. But we also now, again, we're talking the human condition. And the small businessman, maybe he's aware of it, maybe he's not. But what the small guy sees is an opportunity for a big score. And, you know, let's face it, we live in a country filled with people who live with the mantra, it'll never happen to me. It'll never happen to me. So they... They get taken, and then, of course, they lament their decision, but doesn't stop them from doing it in the beginning because they don't believe it's ever going to happen to them. Um, and, you know, come on. and how difficult is it to, to take that step when you consider that a guy who pretends to be a billionaire uh, has so many working-class people identifying with him. How's that possible? The man has a gilded toilet. Everything has his name on it. How does he relate to you? How do you identify with him? I just don't get that part. I just don't get it. But again, I, I, it, this whole thing, have you ever seen Mike Judge's movie, Idiocracy? Not yet. Oh, you have to check that movie out, and again, it will give you insight into what we have, because although it's an extreme parody, um, there are certainly elements of that movie in what is going on in this country today. And in many ways, he is the caricature of the epitome of the worst of American society. We live in a country full of narcissists anymore. He's the extreme narcissist. But people are glued to their phones. They have to share every detail of their life. It's, we live in a look-at-me world today. It's one of the reasons I got off Facebook. I couldn't take it anymore. I noticed that about you. You dropped off of Facebook. That's how I was keeping up with the fortunes of the New York Yankees through you. Yeah, I, I had enough. I, I couldn't take it. I couldn't take arguing with idiots. I couldn't take being the fact checker for people who don't understand that. You know, 
you might want to open another screen and Google whatever it is you're posting before you post it to see whether or not it's true. And I just had enough. But people, they're they're so self-involved anymore that he reflects that to them. And he reflects that to them. He tells us a lot about who we are as a society. That's a key point. Right. Again, he is the reflection of it. He is all the worst of the elements of American society rolled up into one big orange ball. Um, You know, how do you believe he's lied over 16,000 times, yet people still think he's telling them the truth. And as I always say to people, you do realize that it is a statistical anomaly to believe that he's telling the truth and everyone else is lying. It's just the odds are against it. Yes. But, Michael, you know, I, I uh, want to uh, go ahead, finish your point. I wanted to ask you a question that we can pick up again on the other side of the break. But please go ahead. You know, as Paul Simon so wrote so well, a man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. Yes. From the box. And that is you're right. And that's what we have. <laughs> that's what we have. Well, let me tease there a, a more expanded topic. I get it that if it comes to. Michael John Fierro, Suzanne Mitchell, and Gary Mance, those are three votes against Donald Trump come November. Got it. (laughs) And I know our listeners are going, we get it. But there is a larger issue here, and I'm hoping that it can be explained through the prism, looking through the lens, as it were, at the various shadings of a movement worldwide. And we'll get to that on the other side of the break, but just to bring it up in a word, narcissism. Michael, you brought that into the conversation, and I do want to take that up with you in a couple of minutes, because it seems to me that narcissism as a disorder, whether or not it's more prevalent in society, I cannot say because I'm not a social psychologist, but I sure hear the word a lot, and I I see it applied to many, many more people than I am accustomed to seeing over the course of my lifetime, and I'm a baby boomer. I'd like to talk with you about that and how we can look at that from a numerological perspective in terms of trends and movements within cultures when we come back from our break. Michael John Fierro, who is an exceptional numerologist, well known for his ability and a man not shy about expressing opinions, which makes him our kind of guy, is our honored guest of this hour on Manson Mitchell. We'll take a short break and then more conversation with Michael right here at Seattle's home of Alternative Talk, AM 1150. We'll be right back. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. 
The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is manceandmitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Martha Norwalk, animal behaviorist, with sage advice about living with the critters of your choice. On Saturday, Jody Levon, psychic medium, returns for another in-depth discussion about what is happening on the other side. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Get inspired every hour right here on Alternative Talk 1150. The following audio is via a Skype call. Please don't smash your radio. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and that song I Got You Babe from the movie Groundhog Day. And tomorrow's date is going to be 02022020. I just find that fascinating. I find numbers fascinating. And when we talk numerology, I find Michael John Fierro fascinating. Michael, what is your website, and how can people be in touch with you regarding numerology? Uh, it's michaeljohnfierro.com. And they can book a reading on there. They can purchase my book through that. Uh, that's all. I, I'm done with social media, so that's really the only way to, to get a hold of me. That's Michael John Fierro's Chamber of Secrets, and we hope not to make it so secret. <laughs> so I, that's why we do our marketing piece on this program. Michael, I did want to ask you to pick up the threads of our conversation before the break. Narcissism is something that it's a label that I hear applied rather liberally, not to say loosely, to people to such an extent that in the various places I've lived, it happened in Seattle. I live now in Sarasota, Florida. It's the same thing. I hear it applied so liberally that I start to stop myself. I've actually consciously stopped using that unless somebody has been diagnosed or it's a textbook example. Because, you know, enough with Donald Trump, the guy that lives across town from you who cheats on his wife and his taxes and goes to sleep like a baby and has no problem with it and thinks the world exists to serve him or her, as the case may be, we call them narcissistic or narcissists without being qualified clinical psychologists with that person as a patient so that we can apply the label legitimately. And so I, I'm asking you as a numerologist of all things, looking at your Pythagorean theorems and whatnot, is it possible numerologically to look at a given society within a time frame and see with some degree of confidence that 
narcissism is a runaway trend, that there is a clear and present problem with that, and some role models who make it easier for those who are so inclined to behave in these dysfunctional ways. Are there any numbers around that that would give somebody confidence that it actually is happening? Well, the only way you could apply a number to it is if you had a start date, you know, kind of a birth date of that. And, you know, the the term dates back to Greek mythology, so uh, I'm not quite sure we could actually do that. Um, For me, I think, yeah, and yes, it probably is an overused term, but at its basic core, it does describe a great deal of what's going on in this country. And, And I think, for me... Reality TV and the advent of the social media sites just blew this out of proportion anymore. You know, we have people who, again, they have to share every little detail of their life, every meal, every wardrobe change. It's all about me, me, me. The worst thing that Apple ever did was allowing the phones to take pictures of ourselves. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it, it just, it's, uh, to me, it's propagated by media and everything else. It just, it, it's become this whole thing. I mean, there's TV shows dedicated to people taking pictures of themselves. There's, you know, and again, Facebook, Instagram, it's all, it's all about me, me, me. It's people who perhaps don't have a lot going on in their life being given an opportunity for self-importance and oversharing. Um, you know, again, numerologically, I'm not quite sure, but, you know, the definition of this definition of narcissism is the pursuit of gratification from vanity or egotistic admiration of one's idealized self-image and attributes. So flattery, perfectionism, arrogance. This is pretty much what we have anymore. So, again, I'm not surprised that he got elected because he's a reflection of that. A reflection Um, of that and an aggregator of that because then there is a focal point, a a kind of negative role model. Right. Right. And, And because the rules, you know, since the guardrails are falling away, there doesn't seem to be anything that, keeps people in line anymore, you know, uh, to, to glorify and to um, publicize the misdeeds and misbehavior and aberrant behavior of any one individual to the point that other people say, oh, it's okay for him, it must be okay for me. That's not a good, that's not a good sign for society. No, I agree with you, Michael. If I put it in terms that might be expressed by a professional numerologist like yourself, what would constitute the good life? Narcissism bad, I agree, but if there is a good life to be enjoyed and to be shared with contributions to humanity coming as a result of that, how do you use the numbers in any given year to put the proper emphasis where it needs to be in order for you as an individual or me or anyone to make their contribution to society? 
Well, you know, numerologically, we have the overarching energy of the the universal year, which is kind of the the uh, the world, uh, the, the dynamic under which we all are influenced during the course of any particular year. Individually, well, you have to look at each individual's chart to see where they are in their uh, numerological progression and how does that fit in. That being said, again, this is a four-year. This is a year that we all have an opportunity to put things in order. The universe will assist us in putting things in order. The universe will assist us in creating strong foundations for moving forward, whether it's personally, in the family, in the community, whatever. We need to kind of get back to the idea that we're all in this together, <laughs> because that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Um, and, and going back to the numbers, and this apply, one of the interesting anomalies is the president and the United States, even though they have different birth dates, both have the same life path number. And what's that? A five. A five, okay. Yeah, and looking at the United States, freedom, opportunity, adventure, expansion, that's all qualities of the United States. Now, five is also the human condition. So even though their birth dates are different, not only do they have the same life path, but they also, the United States and Trump also every year share the same personal year. And so, what would that be this year? Uh, this year, for uh, it will be a six for both. Okay. Now, six personal year is a year in which community and family and service to others is a hallmark. It's a time for taking responsibility. Um working to help community and family. So we'll see if that's the direction we go in. But for me, more interestingly in that regard is the fact that both the presidents and um, the country have a four-lifetime challenge. Now, four challenge, again, is all is about learning how to get yourself organized, and doing the work with diligence and, and compassion and whatnot to get done what needs to be done. But the negative side of the four challenge is control issues. The negative side of the four challenges I mentioned earlier can be a representation of jail. So one of the things for this year now is with the with the country and the president both having a four challenge and us being in a four year that control thing is going to really rear its head and the question we want to answer is what form is that control going to take is it going to be overbearing and restrictive or is it going to be all-encompassing and serving the greater good? Are we going to build the world for everyone? Or are we going to build the world for a few while all the rest suffer? And control, as we saw yesterday in the Senate, 
control is a big deal here. It's a very big deal here. Yeah. And, and to have people willingly, seemingly without conscience, participate in, a, in a, a, an exercise that um, takes control away from one segment and gives it to somebody else, not a good sign. It, it, that doesn't, to me, does, it doesn't bode well for anyone. So collectively, we have to ask ourselves the question, what are we looking for here? What do we want? What kind of, how are we going to take this for energy and build something that is beneficial? And I'm not sure, I'm actually losing belief that we're going to pull it off. Um, the chaos part of, of uh, the headline that for my essay, for me, rings very strongly um, because I cannot imagine what's going to happen between now and November. Now, one of the things, let's see what happens Monday in Iowa. I'm not exactly a fan of Joe Biden. I don't think he's the answer. But if he wins the Iowa primary, then Trump will have gone out on a limb and broken the law for no reward. He got himself impeached, and the person he tried to knock out of the race, if he wins, will be only stronger. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic to watch. <laughs> going to be very interesting to watch. So, in uh, you know, go on. Well, in terms of of politics and numerology, because this is an election year. When we look at people with ideas, I'll take the Democratic Party as an example. I mean, I see things going on within the Democratic Party that make a very strong case if you are among the undecided or if you're part of Trump's base. You look at them and you go, those nutcases, it's either old man Joe, Uncle Joe, there and I'll take Trump over him for whatever reason. And these other lunatics that are there, I mean, AOC and, and these women that were elected to Congress or somebody mature who's been around a long time, Elizabeth Warren, they're going to completely destroy the economy. They're, nobody's going to invest in the stock market. There goes entrepreneurship. There goes my family farm. A few of those exist still. There goes my corporate farm there. And as a result, nope, nope, no, I've got to stick with the guy at the helm now. There and they're going to see they're going to see the Democratic Party as so tragically flawed and split that the safe bet, if you can imagine, is to vote for the re-election of Donald Trump. I don't think that's impossible at all. Nor do I. But this comes down to people educating themselves. This comes down to people doing a little homework. You know, we stopped teaching civics in school, so most people don't have any idea how government works. Absolutely none. It's an abstraction to most people, and they can't be bothered. So if, it's, if I'm running the Democrat Party, I'm focusing on getting the message out. Do you really think that things are better than they were? Do you really believe that? 
foreign bankruptcy rate went up 20% last year. 20% of farms went bankrupt. 20% more farms went bankrupt last year. The stock market is a false indicator. It's like looking at your gas tank, and you know the gauge is broken, but it says it's full. But unless you invest in the stock market, it doesn't benefit you or I. And most people don't invest in the stock market. The stock market is a poker game played by rich people. And I firmly believe that a lot of what's going on with the stock market, with the Trump administration, look at who is still there. Wilbur Ross, Steve Mnuchin, they can easily have Trump manipulate the market. Let's short these stocks. So you need to go out and say something that's going to tank them. There have been allegations along those lines already. Right. I mean, what I find very interesting is, you know, we killed the guy in Iraq, and there's all this turmoil in the Middle East. And yet oil was trading yesterday at $51 a barrel. That doesn't make sense. Absolutely doesn't make sense at all. So people need to stop looking at the false indicators. Yes, jobs are, the unemployment rate is low. But the second part of that sentence is because people have to work three jobs to get along. So, of course, unemployment is low because the average person is working two or three jobs. So is the unemployment number really that low? It just means jobs are being filled. And the growth last year was the lowest it's been in a very long time. In fact, Jimmy Carter's final year in office, the final year of his first term, the GDP rose three point something percent, and last year it only went up two point three. So the you know, again, a man hears what he wants to hear, disregards the rest. If you, if people are not going to stay fully informed, if people are not going to pay attention and dig deep for the facts and the figures behind the stories, then we are doomed because we have a, a, a used car salesman who people just believe whatever he said. But the reality, I think, is very different from the bill of goods that's being sold. And how, long is, to, this, how yes. long is this going to keep up? I wanted to provide a new context, and I didn't figure I'd be discussing this today, but I would like to bring it up because people are worried, as well they should be, coronavirus. The stock market dropped over 600 points yesterday on coronavirus fears, the implications of this pestilence, this dread disease about which we still know very little. It's a new thing in the world and it terrifies us. People are being quarantined, people are dying, people are incubating before the symptoms show up so that they can spread it, which is the genius of a virus, to be able to spread itself around and mutate to evade detection until it's done its work. That's one of the things that just makes me think of a wicked intelligence in the universe, which may be nothing more than a life form competing along with the rest. But in terms of coronavirus, what does numerology say, if it says anything, about 
the idea that there are exponentiating diseases so that there are these dread events that will affect a generation of people, for example. Can you go to the numbers and find anything about that in there? Well, again, I'd have to know the day that it was discovered because in numerology, you know, if you need to do the calculation of, you know, especially something like that that suddenly came about, when was it born? Um, you know, you can, again, look at it in the big context. Okay, we're in a four-universal year, restrictions, control, all of this. And quite honestly, I'm majorly skeptical of any disease that suddenly appears out of nowhere. You know? You sh are we sure it's not just some lab experiment that someone's testing out on a population? I'm reading a book right now. It's a work of fiction. But, you know, the Spanish flu. You've heard of the Spanish flu. My dad was born during the year of the Spanish flu, and his relatives didn't think he would make it to one year old. Do you know where it started? I don't, I'm, I'm going to guess Spain, but I don't know. No, Kansas City. Kansas City. It started City. on a military base. It began on a military base in Kansas City. So, I don't know how it got the name Spanish flu, <laughs> but it did. Uh, but anything of, of a viral nature, I, I'm always skeptical. I just, you know, if you've ever read The Stand by Stephen King, oh, yes. you ever read that book? Uh, no, it's too big. It was a great doorstop. <laughs> it was about a thousand pages. <laughs> uh, but I'll tell you, Gary, one of the greatest books I've ever read. It they managed to turn it into a movie. They didn't think originally it could be filmed. Well, and it was a terrible movie. They, it was much better when they made it a TV series. But it is one of the greatest books because it's a book of good versus evil. That's At its core is what it is. It's a story of good versus evil. And it's a, just a masterpiece of literature, the fact that he has, I don't know how many main characters, and he fully develops all of them, and you become... Engaged with each one of them, but you know the the, the gist of the story is a um, a secret lab working on viruses, and the, the virus got out, and it spread wildly and quickly across the nation. So you know the fact that the coronavirus comes out of China makes me skeptical. <laughs> Um, and again, the only thing is, Wuhan, though, I mean, the place is virtually a ghost town during the day. People, they're not going out there. So I, I'm, there's a lot of it happening there. Why that is, I don't know. But we are locating places where it's running rampant. Right. But ask yourself, what better way to control the population than to scare the bejesus out of them and tell them they have to stay home? Which they are doing. From, right. Look at it from that perspective. Then you start to question, okay, what is this really about? So, yeah, the numerology there fits in with the control part of the number for the year. Hmm. It's affecting how people live their lives. We know that for sure. You know, Under our own roof, Suzanne and I talk about traveling a lot more this year than we did last 
and we say, well, how many airports do you want to be in? You know, is this a year for car trips? And even then you're going to be out in public. This has the potential to greatly affect people's lifestyles. True. But again, there's that part of, again, I, I, I can be very cynical with this stuff, but to me, a lot of this is just, it, it's a new form of warfare. It really is. In fact, that's the, 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 this, this novel that I'm reading. Um, part of it is uh, a, a, um, a SARS-type disease starts in Yemen, and some terrorist organization decides to weaponize it and spread it around the world without anybody knowing. So, you know, it's an easy way to thin the, the herd. And people today, you know, yes, we're very interconnected. Um, and it would be very easy for something like that to be uh, to put have it put be put forth and and spread rapidly. So let's see how this plays out, you know, over the next couple of weeks. I'm always, you know, because I, I'm, I'm very skeptical of the flu shot. I've never had a flu shot in my life. Nor have I. Because I question, how can you tell me what flu is coming and that this is the, the vaccine for it when you can't cure the common cold? There's something wrong with that equation. That's and a I'm legitimate concern. Right. And I'm always amazed at how rapidly a, an antidote can be developed. Because I was reading that they are very, very close, if not have accomplished, the uh, the antidote for Ebola. That was a pretty quick turnaround. Thank goodness. So, yeah. So I just, I have to, this coronavirus thing, I, I just have, kind of have to, uh, the, there's that part of me that just questions the whole thing. You know, because, again, what did it do? It affected the economy. China that is currently has. in a huge trade war with the United States. Mm -hmm. So what better way to throw a monkey wrench into things than to do something that wreaks havoc on the market and gives you, the country, time to get your stuff together so you can move forward? It's a distraction, is it? I don't know. I have no answers for this stuff. All I know is what I think I think it is. Um, and you shared openly about that. It's time for us to go. Who do you like in the Super Bowl, Michael? I'm not a football fan. I could care less. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but if I if I had to pick somebody, uh, you know, in, in seeing how well Kansas City played when they were down 21 nothing, that'd be a hard team to bet against. Beautiful. Michael John Fierro, thank you so much for joining us again. Enjoy the game tomorrow, nachos and all, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks, my friend. Thank you. Coming up next, Jupiter is rising. Great to have Eileen Grimes and Doug Johnson on the air. So happy they follow us. Everybody have yourselves a great weekend and enjoy the big game. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.